This is Manuel Amesqua, host of Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude. It's a new podcast where we interview the top performers in sports and business to unlock the mindsets and disciplines required to get to the top of the 1% of 1%. Our goal is to bring value to as many people as possible with these conversations. But now we need your help to grow the podcast. Take a minute and please leave a review on Apple with your thoughts on the conversations so far. Thank you in advance and enjoy the show. But it's all about, you know, winning the days, those micro wins, you got to win each day. So you can bring awareness to each day. What's your intent for each day? Does it align with your vision? Does it align with your values and goals? Because it'll help you. It's easy to persevere when you know the end goal. On today's episode of Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude, Manny sits down with NFL wide receiver, former Michigan State Spartan, public speaker, and author, Benny Fowler. Benny shares the story of how he first set the vision for his life to become an NFL player, the simple keys that he attributes to his success, and how to overcome adversity and injury as athletes, and why the battle is mental just as much as it is physical. So Benny Fowler, man, I'm super excited to be here with you today. And uh, thanks so much for taking time out of your really busy schedule uh, to share, you know, 30 to 45 minutes together right out of the gate, right out of the gate. What are you doing around training today for yourself? Today, I'm still working out every single day. So, you know, nothing really has changed much for me. I am very fortunate enough and very blessed enough to be a part of a gym that didn't really have to close down that much because it was a private gym already. It's a gym that Peyton Manning and DeMarcus Ware had invested in in Denver. So it's, I guess you would say, high clientele. Um, So it's not very many people in there. So right now I'm just training, getting ready for the season. The last two days actually out here in Denver, I was able and uh, fortunate enough to throw with Drew Brees. He came out here to throw with Emmanuel Sanders. So the last two days I've been throwing out uh, outside with them and running routes with those guys, and he called and set up a workout for me. So hopefully he's not here with the New York New Orleans Saints soon. But, you know, that's kind of where I'm at right now. But working out every single day, uh, trying to find ways to get better and just fine-tuning my game as I'm going into year seven. Yeah, I love it. I mean, the last time we spoke a few weeks ago, I really enjoyed listening to a little bit of your story, and, and that's really what got us here today, wanting to have you on our podcast. What, what I love is just how small the world is. Here I come to meet you through another Spartan, my business partner, Paul Davis, and dear friend of mine, and he puts you and I together. But then as Chad Miles and I were preparing for you today, Chad's talking to me about how as a little boy, he was watching uh, that huge, huge Rose Bowl win back in 2014 against Stanford. And Chad's like, Manny, I was in the stands, and I remember two of his biggest clutch catches those that, that day. Yeah. And so, you know, take me back to your days growing up in Michigan and tell, share with our viewers and our listeners a couple of maybe the most magical memories you have from your childhood, attending Country Day, and then seeing your vision coming to life playing big-time Division I football at Michigan State. Yeah, so the first thing that really comes to mind when I was growing up in Michigan was playing downtown Detroit, playing basketball. This is the first year we had played organized basketball. My dad's the coach. We get to the championship game. And this game is a heated game between Power Stroke was our team and the Shockers, I believe, was the other team. And we're just going back and forth. But the score ends up being four to two. Nobody's making any shots. We're just, you know, we're just, everybody's throwing the ball at the rim. And we end up losing the game four to two. And, you know, it's the first loss that we ever had in competitive sports. And we're all crying after the game. And, you know, my dad and I talk about that to this day. And he thought about stop, co- he, he thought about stop coaching us right there because he didn't want to see that pain and that sadness on our faces 
But I distinctly remember that just because <laughs> that was just incredible emotion right there, you know, and just a game that was not even high scoring at all. It was like a soccer score. But, yeah, we lost four to two. But I remember Mikey Moore, who was playing for the Detroit Pistons at that time, coming to that game and, you know, putting his arms around us and telling us it was going to be okay. And that's the first time we ever met a professional athlete. It was just incredible to see, you know, a guy who was 6'8", you know, he came to our game through a, a family friend. And, you know, maybe that went into my subconscious mind that I wanted to be a professional athlete. But that's one of the first memories I really remember as a kid and playing competitive sports. And then growing up and going to Detroit Country Day, just all the relationships that I developed there, learning how to network with people, how to balance my time. You know, that being a, a great college preparatory school, you really learn how to balance your time and network with people and how to apply to colleges, how to apply for jobs, community service as well. But also the importance of joining the club and doing things and stepping outside of your comfort zone was something that was very good for myself growing up, my brother growing up, and also my sisters as well going to Detroit Country Day. But if I had to think about one memory from high school, you know, playing in my first varsity basketball game as a sophomore, I was super excited to be playing on varsity. You know, I'm getting some playing time towards the end of the game. I get a steal. I go for the layup, get fouled, and I go to the free throw line. And the anxiety that I felt, my arms felt like they weighed 100 pounds each. So I go to the free throw line and dribble a couple times, shoot the first free throw, and it lands nowhere near the rim. Super embarrassed. Like, this is my first time. I'm like, I'm thinking about all the things that people are going to say to me in school the next day. You know, kind of tears are getting into my eyes because I'm like super embarrassed. And, and this gym is sold out right now. But that was, you know, that's something I remember. That's something that like started to change my mindset. Like, this can't define you. Like, so how are you going to get better from this? And, you know, starting to work on my free throws after practice every single day. But you know, that's, you know, those are a couple stories that kind of like, I feel like shifted me and helped me to become the athlete I am today. And that's the reason why I bring some of those stories up and going to country day, they really shifted my mindset. But that, that moment, that varsity moment right there, airballing that free throw in front of all those people could have been a defining moment. I could have gone left or right. And I chose to go right, you know, just shifting my mindset, understanding that, you know, some of the most incredible athletes have had moments like these and most incredible people. Not everything is going to be perfect. So that's a little bit how I grew up in Michigan. You know, I have two great loving parents and also a stepmother. And I have, I'm the oldest of four. Awesome. So, um, so one of the things that I noticed about your story growing up is you experienced quite a few injuries mm -hmm. through your high school and college career. Take me back to the broken collarbone in high school, your junior year. I think back to my very mediocre high school and division three football career. And I just think, man, if I had broken my collarbone my junior year, would I have even come back and played my senior year in high school? Take us back to that injury. Who was around you? What was the message? What, what gave you sort of like that, that, the, the optimism that you could bounce back from that so that you could be full of grit and really come back and have a, just an unbelievably standout senior year, mind you, right? And that's really where I'm going with it. How, how do you go from like one of the lowest lows to one of the highest highs? <clears throat> I think you kind of just focus on the process. So going back to the actual injury, it's homecoming. We got, we got the homecoming dance that night. Got my date ready to go. And, you know, I'm get, I think I got a reverse and just ran to the sideline. And this, this, is, this dude was huge. He had to be like at least 260, 270. And he tackles me, just a normal tackle, but just the way I landed on it. And I just heard a little pop. And uh, right then and there, I'm just like, I couldn't lift my arm. You could just hear it clicking a little bit. And I'm just, I was really upset because this is my first year going out for football. I hadn't played football since I was 10, 12 years old. So I hadn't played. So now I'm immediately mad at the football coach and the people who asked me to come out for the team. Like, this is the reason why I didn't want to come out here. <laughs> this is the reason right here I didn't want to come out here. And then my mom takes me to the hospital and told me about six weeks. So I just – I was thinking, you know, my season might have been over. So I was getting ready to get ready for basketball. So as I'm going through the process, um, just – 
every day stretching a little bit, just trying to move it around. It was hard to sleep for a couple of weeks. What kept me optimistic is that we kept winning games as a football team. We had two great players in Jonas Gray and Kenny Demons who went on to be the running back at Notre Dame and the linebacker, starting linebacker at Michigan. So they, we had a really good team, and they were seniors. So we're winning games. And as we get to the semifinal game, this is my opportunity to come back. This is the seventh week. So the doctor was like, yeah, you can go back out there. I mean, you got to be careful. I don't know how you can be careful on a football game, but you got to be careful. But they had like a specific number of plays that were designed for me. And we get towards the end of the game. It's a shootout game versus Zeeland West up in Zeeland West. And we call a hook and ladder play. Patrick Leary catches the ball, pitches it to me, and I score the game-winning touchdown to send us to the state championship to play on uh, the day after Thanksgiving. But I think what kept me optimistic was the fact that the team was still winning. I was, I was still involved going to practices here and there. And I was starting to, to develop a love for the game and a process for the game. And the fact that, you know, I could possibly get recruited in this as well as basketball and as well as track. So I wanted to continue to stick with it because of the, the teammates that I had and the coaching staff that I had around me to, incur- and to encourage me. And which is one of the most important things that we all need as people to be successful is we need a great supporting staff and great friends to help support you in down times. So that's kind of, you know, kind of how that went. And I was able to score that game winning touchdown. And then after that, you know, I had a, a decent game in the semifinal game. Now I had that confidence really to continue to stick with football and put my effort and time into it. And that year, yeah, that was my junior year. So that year I won the state championship in track in the long jump. So I got my first scholarship offer from Eastern Michigan at a track meet at the Oakland County track meet, which where I won the 100 and the long jump. So once I got that first scholarship that spring, that just propelled me to put even more work and more time and effort into becoming a football player. So going into my senior year, it was my time to lead, as well as a couple of my friends, Chris Jackson, O'Neill Swanson, Mose Hogan, you know, two really good friends of mine. And it was our time. It was our senior year. And, yeah. you know, this is at this time, you know, going into my senior year and starting my senior year, I had just received offers from Indiana, Toledo, Michigan State. I went up to Michigan, and I didn't like that visit up there. So I decided to, <laughs> to commit to Michigan State. Literally, literally the next day, and it was one of the best decisions I ever made. Just in terms of the way Coach D was talking about, he was talking about discipline, respect. The jersey is earned; it's never given, and that's kind of the way I grew up, and the way my dad, you know, really set the tone for my brother and I, and also my sisters to be disciplined, to work hard, and a lot of those messages just they went together. And I chose Michigan State, and it was one of the best thing, one of the best decisions I've ever made. Yeah, that's a great story. I mean, I didn't even realize there were that many fireworks that were going to follow the collarbone story. Uh, And so, you know, my bad for not doing the due diligence on your high school track career as well, which, you know, here, we we start off 10 minutes ago and you're only telling me about basketball. I'm Mm -hmm. like, basketball? (laughs) I still love basketball. Yeah, (laughs) I still love basketball to this day. I mean, a lot of people don't know this. I mean, unless you're, like, you know, really paying attention to, like, the socks that I wear during an NFL game. But every NFL game I've ever played played in, I wear NBA socks. So I'm always going to have love for the NBA. I do have friends in the NBA. So If you if you had made it to the NBA, who would you have wanted to play for? Uh, the Lakers. I'm biggest Kobe Bryant fan ever, you know, the late, great Kobe Bryant. I had all his shoes from, I mean, talking about from when he was Adidas to when he was with nobody to Nike. Just an incredible athlete, incredible person, the mama mentality, just the, the quest to be the best version of oneself. I really believe that. And it was just, at first when it was growing up, it was just all about the highlights and the dunks. But as mm-hmm. I got older, towards the end of college, you know, you could really see the work ethic. That's when I really got the love for him, just because if you really think about it, he's in the greatest of all time conversation. Yes. with LeBron and Michael Jordan. But if you really look at it, he's the least athletic out of all of those. 
but accomplish just as much. So I don't know if people really look at it like that, but, you know, LeBron James and Michael Jordan, super athletic. Don't get me wrong, Kobe Bryant was too, but he's the least athletic out of those three who scored just as many points, won just as many championships, MVPs, and all that. What an interesting observation. You know, and, and it's kind of a good segue because what I was thinking about is, you know, I think about all of our student athletes that tune in week after week when we're putting out some of this great content from some of the best of the best, right? We always talk about what it takes to become the 1% of the top 1%. That's when it's special, right? To get into the 1%, okay, so you're the top one out of 100. But when you're the top out of 1,000, that, that's a ratio, right? Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, I'm curious from your perspective, what, do you, what would be something you would share with student athletes, maybe even at the high school or college level, who aren't experiencing your level of success. So they're not getting the micro wins consistently enough to have that be what helps them persevere through some adversity. What happens when you're a role player? Like, how do you persevere? What type of mindset do you need to have to overcome an injury, to overcome a significant setback if you're maybe the sixth man on the bench? or you're a special teams player? What do, you, what's, what do you share with those student-athletes? Well, I was always, you know, the, the kind of the star athlete in high school and then in college, and then I became the role player in the pros and a little bit of a starter here and there. But what I would tell people now, just as I look back on it, number one, embrace your role because you are a part of a team. Embrace it. So they need you to do your role. Yeah. When I was in the huddle with Peyton Manning, and Demarius Thomas and I caught Peyton's last pass in the Super Bowl. I was, I, I, my salary was the smallest one. I had a $70 million receiver on one side and a $20 million receiver on the other side. And I'm making 400 K, <laughs> but Peyton trusted me. So if I didn't feel important about the role that I was playing, I wouldn't have caught the pass. So embrace the role that you do have because you are a part of the team and your role is just as important as everybody else's. Now, those guys are getting paid for a reason, but your time will come. And if you're not ready, then that's really on you. But if I had to go back to people learning how to persevere, going through tough times, being the 1% of the 1%, if you want to follow through and, and achieve your dreams and goals, you have to have a vision. Now, I said dreams and goals, but you have to have a vision for where you want to go. So, I knew I wanted to be a professional athlete. So nothing was going to stop me from that. Now, I didn't know if it was going to be track, football, or basketball, but nothing was going to stop me from pursuing sports and working out every single day because that's the vision I had for my life. When you have a vision, it's easier to set goals. But if you don't know what you want to be in five years, I knew I wanted to play college football. And then when I got to college, I knew I wanted to play professional. But you have to have that vision. And then you can set the goals for that. But it's all about, you know, winning the days. Those micro wins, you got to win each day. So you can bring awareness to each day. What's your intent for each day? Does it align with your vision? Does it align with your values and goals? Because it'll help you. It's easy to persevere when you know the end goal. So me being an entrepreneur right now, I know what I want it to look like in five years. But that has to start with every single day surrounding myself with the right people, having mentors. And I know it's not going to be easy, but it's, it's easy for me to get up every single day and go about it because I know what it can look like in the future. I know what the vision for my future is. So writing down your vision, vision and getting clarity, your, the clarity on your vision. What do you want it to look like? What do you want it to feel like? What do you want it to smell like? Who's around you? What's your job? What's your title? Who are you at, interacting with on a day-to-day -day basis? Then you can set your goals, but you have to have that clarity because that clarity will bring the connection. When you connect to your goals or when you connect to your vision, it'll help you with your goals. So you think about somebody on their wedding day. If somebody has to lose weight for their wedding day, groom or, or the bride, they'll do it because they're connected to the vision. They know what it's going to feel like on that day when they get married to their soulmate. So it's easy for them to lose the weight. Now, the question is, will they stick with it after because after the wedding day, you know, it's every, all the happiness has already happened that you visualize. 
Yes. That's the best way you can put it. But if you have to have a vision, you have to be clear on it. You have to understand what you really want because then it'll help you stay consistent. Where do you, um, and I really enjoyed you kind of taking us through that path of, of, uh, what it takes to set a vision and then how having a clear vision helps you be more intentional on a daily basis so that you can't aggregate enough micro wins, right? Mm-hmm. Along your way to seeing that come to life. I've found my experience in as much as I read and I consume content from, I th- from a lot of people that I have an enormous amount of respect and admiration for in like the high performance space, I found that sometimes the people around us when we're young tend to be like our biggest like dream killers, almost as if they unintentionally, while being very loving towards us, they unintentionally apply some of their biggest regrets and missed opportunities to what they think we should be thinking is possible for us. There's zero doubt in my mind that you have had a huge vision since you were a young man. Mm. Tell us about that and tell me who was your biggest advocate and champion that you think along your life's path just consistently reinforced to you that you deserved and had the right to dream as big as possible? Yeah, my mom and my dad. You know, my dad... My mom was always going to help me put in the work and she wasn't going to, you know, it, I talk about it in my book, the, the fact that my mom, you know, when my dad was living over in London because he was the COO of Jaguar and Land Rover. He went over there for four years to, uh, you know, pro- progress his career. So we stayed over here and, you know, we were going to school in the States, but my mom was getting me up, my brother and I. All right, you guys want to be pro athletes? That, all right, that sounds good. So let's start at 630 in the morning, weight pants. 20 pound weight pants and you run up the apartment steps to like the 12th floor. We're on the first floor, 12th floor down. And you know, a couple sets of that because it really, they didn't say, Oh, you have to be a professional athlete, but whatever you do, whatever you're going to do, you're going to work hard at it. But my dad knew I had the potential and talent within me. And he always talked about it. He, he was my biggest advocate all the time in terms of that because of his brother's, his brothers were very athletic and he could see a lot of my potential um, in them as well. Or, you know, the, you know, the, the relationship between the potential of both of us or, you know, his brothers. So he wasn't going to let me waste that because his brothers did not use their talent to the best of their abilities. And, you know, he was kind of in a more of a fear based, like, Hey, I don't, I don't want you to end up like them in terms of not, putting your best effort forward and not getting the most out of yourself. So it was more out of that. Hey, if you don't work hard, you won't get this. Now, if I had to change anything, I would say, dad, when you were teaching me this, it would be like, if you do work hard, you will get this. But, you know, he was first time parent. So I just understand that now in terms of, you know, what you just brought up, sometimes, you know, they can be your biggest dream killers, you know, the people around you. But now my parents, they knew what I had inside of me. I don't know if they knew what, if I would get to where I'm at today, you know, going into my seventh season, but they knew I did have a lot of ability, especially to get a scholarship to college. Yeah. And so I really appreciate you sharing that. And I, and I found uh, uh, there's, there's some real commonality, you know, I've, I've, I've hosted conversations with other dear friends like Israel Adonage and Desmond Clark, who, you know, obviously coming from the hometown where I come from the Chicago area, you know, I just, grew up, you know, fanatical about my Chicago Bears, and I still remain that way even in the great city of Detroit. And, hey, I'm a supporter and lover of the Lions uh, because they're, they're our hometown team now, right? Yeah. Um, so I, but, you know, there's, there's some real commonality that I hear in your story when I think about Desmond's story, I think about Israel's story, I think about my good friend Garrett Wolf. Um, the parents seem to be like the, the beacon, the, 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 the lighthouse, you know, that, that always, always creates that calmness and that tranquility and gives you that confidence to go out to sea and choose, you know, attack your vision and, and attack your path. You mentioned you're going into your seventh year mm. in the NFL. And I love how you started putting up the great energy about what your intention is 
And I hope that thing becomes a reality about where you'll be playing this season. Tell me what's kept you just, you've got so many other exciting things that I want to talk about. I want to talk about the book. I want to talk about the GPS method. You probably have other things you've not even shared with me that you're thinking about for the next chapter in your life. But what keeps you attacking this vision of continuing to be a high-performing NFL player and a really, really valuable teammate to the team that you're on? I would say what keeps me going is this how much fun it is. And you can't do this forever, so why not do it as much as possible at the highest level? Why not put all my time and energy into it? Don't get me wrong, you have to get ready for life after football. But at the same time, I am just, I've been blessed to be around some of the most incredible athletes who people look up to, you know, Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, Odell Beckham, Saquon Barkley, Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders. Like, I've shared the field with these guys. Why would I not continue to try to do that? And then going out there on Sundays and putting in, after you've put in a great week's worth of work, to try to go out there and win and compete. And that's just how life is. But I can't, I know I can't just, oh, take a year off and then come back. So why not just put the time and effort into really enjoying it? And, you know, every NFL season to me is like 10 years of life and the knowledge that you can gain from the ups and downs throughout an NFL season and the people and stories that you will hear. That's one of the best things about the NFL is that the, the team is never the same. Besides pretty much the quarterback and the couple of star players, every, pretty much every team is changing year in and year out. So you're meeting and, and interacting with different coaches and players. And that's how life is. And sometimes we hold ourselves back in life by not going out there and making those relationships. But the NFL kind of forces you to do that because that's the only way you can win on a Sunday is if everybody is on the same page. It's 53 different businesses as well as the coaches to come together. And just the importance of understanding the business of sports and being around it every single day you know, people always say, you know, well, you're just an athlete or, you know, you're just a football player. Well, the NFL is one of the biggest businesses in the world. And if you know, I'm an entrepreneur on the field and off the field, you know, as important as it is for the team, I also do have to look out for myself and make the best decisions for me in terms of picking a team, how I want to go about my business every single day. I am a business. So, you know, that's, I just, I love being, I love going out there on Sundays as well. Like the, you know, the energy of running out there, you know, onto that field on a Sunday or playing on Super Bowl Sunday or championship Sunday, you know, AFC, NFC, and just playing against players. Like I got a chance to play against Charles Woodson. He won the Heisman in 1997. <laughs> <laughs> he won the Heisman in 1997 or playing with Peyton and Eli, uh, playing a week with Tom Brady. That was, it was just one of the most incredible moments. And then, you know, yesterday, the last two days, you know, throwing with Drew Brees. Like, yes. Drew Brees is 41. Yeah. The ball didn't even hit the ground <laughs> because of his accuracy the last two days. It was just – it's incredible to see. And these are incredible human beings. And just the relationships that you have that you can gain in the NFL is also one of the reasons why I stick, I'm going to stick with it. Yeah, I, I, I love that. You know, um, I think you've met with another fellow Spartan who's a dear friend and, and, and mentor and coach to our firm, Ben Newman. Have yes. you and Ben connected yet? Yes, we connected. We connected. So, so one of the first times I sit down with Ben, and I've known Ben for a long time, and we're like, you know, I think we should work together. I think we should collaborate. I think, Ben, your gifts um, at a time when I moved to Michigan for the first time in 2017 with Mass Mutual. It was like, I think your gifts are the right gifts to, to help me really get the state of Michigan unified around one vision for what's possible for our firm and around our people, which are our greatest assets. So Ben and I start working together and we're, we're having a dialogue about like effort and like having great vision and, and putting a plan together and then attacking that plan and having the right attitude and effort. And he gives me the Jerry Rice quote. Did he share it with you? No. Uh -uh. Okay, so he tells me, He's like, listen, this is the single most important thing I'm going to share with you today. And he says, Jerry Rice once said to me, they were both like keynote speakers at a conference. And Jerry Rice says to him, 
Why would you not give 100% when it's 100% your choice? Mm. And when I just heard you describe why you are remain relentless and unflinchingly committed to attacking your vision to continue to play out your NFL career, that's exactly what I thought of. And so, you know, just really hats off to you, man. Um, you know, you keep putting unbelievable energy into the world and I know you're going to see your vision come to life. And so, Hey, I'm, I'm excited to see you play. I have a 10 year old son or continue to play. I have a 10 year old son who saw you play when you came in, uh, for like the, uh, the scrimmage game against the lions a couple of years ago, we were already here and, uh, he saw Saquon's calves and he said they're enormous, but on that day he declared he was going to become a wide receiver. Yeah. So my 10-year-old son, he will only buy footballs that have the passing tree on them. And, and he just, anywhere, yeah, throw me a pass, throw me a pass, throw me a pass. And so I hope Atlas gets to see you continue to play, my friend. Oh, you will. I love that energy. I love that energy. I love Yeah, that. no doubt. So um, tell me a little bit about your inspiration while you're still playing. You're still playing. And you're already attacking the next chapters of your life. And the first one is, how, when did you decide to become an author? <laughs> and who, who was your biggest, so, so tell me this, when did you decide, who was your, who's been your biggest champion and advocate to write your story this early on in your life? And tell us the most significant part of the book that you say, hey, this, this moment alone, this story alone, this chapter alone is a huge reason why people should go out and buy The Silver Spoon, The Imperfect Guide to Success. So I would say the reason why I decided to write a book, I had just came off, I had just come off my best year in Denver. So I'm getting ready to hit free agency. Chicago comes calling. The Bears come calling. They give me, they give me a nice signing bonus. It's, I am now living in the city where my mom is living. I'm now playing in the city where my mom is living. She's just a hop, skip, and a jump away from the stadium. So everything is going well. Everything seems like it's going on the right path. Preseason is going. It's, okay. it's going okay, but I'm one of the only receivers to practice every single day and play in every single preseason game. And then I get a call from the general manager telling me that they were going to release me. So I'm angry. I'm sad. I'm embarrassed. And this has never happened to me before. Like, am I going to get picked up? Like, what's going to happen? So for the next three to four weeks, I'm at home. So, like, if the NFL doesn't come calling anymore, what's next for me? Mm -hmm. Well, I've had all these incredible stories, playing in the NFL, being undrafted, all the things that we achieved at Michigan State. I want to write about that, but I want to write about – I come from Bloomfield Hills, which is the suburbs of Detroit. So I call it Silver Spoon, the imperfect guide to success because people, they feel if you don't, if you come from the suburbs or you come from a two-parent household or if you're well off that you don't work as hard. And don't get me wrong, there are some great athlete stories out there, but we only hear about the sad ones. You know, we only hear about oh, how they were looking for their next meal. Well, my life isn't like that, but I work just as hard, if not harder than them. So I want to share the principles that we all have the same 24 hours. So I have a guy like Draymond Green, Darquez Denard. Yep. Uh, incredible athletes. Darquez Denard was, you know, very low recruit, but became a first-round pick. Draymond Green coming from Saginaw, Michigan, to where he is today as a businessman and also as an NBA player. But then I also have some entrepreneurs in there for people to understand where whatever you want to do, there are certain principles, goal setting, being disciplined, handling adversity, handling success. That you, that you have to be able to do to be, in order to be successful. And when I went to Chicago, I didn't have that vision or I, I didn't set those goals because I, was, I had felt good about where I was. So I felt like I had climbed the mountain, like I'm undrafted. I came off my best year. I got some money in my pocket now. Like I just signed a one-year deal for $2 million with Chicago and, you know, I end up getting cut. So that put me back into undrafted mode. So the New England Patriots come calling. And then now I'm back. I'm, now I'm playing with a quarterback just like Peyton, who is just as successful, just as smart. And my study habits come back. My diet yes. comes back. 
everything gets put, put back into perspective. So I have to put this back into the book. And I want people to understand, like, I'm not some flawless human. You know, I had, but, you know, when you get knocked down, how are you going to get back up? So that's why I decided to write the book, because at that, those three or four weeks, it was like, what's next? Well, I want to share stories. I want to do public speaking. I want to tell people, not necessarily stories about myself, but the incredible players and people that I've been around and played with. So that's why I chose to write the book. Nobody really uh, patted me on the back and said, oh, yeah, you should write a book, because I wasn't really even telling anybody. This is something that I wanted to do. Okay. I feel like it's, yeah, I feel like it's, as an athlete, I feel like it's a business card as well. If I want to come speak to a business, well, all right, well, what do you speak on? I speak on Helen versus Helen's success, as well as goal setting, team leadership, team culture. But I have a book behind me now. I am Amazon bestseller. So I feel like it's a business card as well. It's just something I can say. and It's something that I can give back to the world. And the most, I dedicate the book to my brother because He's my hero after everything that he's been through, you know, six knee surgeries before he was 17, you know, and he wanted to be an NBA player and he didn't give up on his dream. He had to go to prep school. He ends up going to central Michigan, being a three-time captain, setting the all-time assist record because he didn't give up. So now that's also the reason why I play and I'll never give up on anything. The fact that he did that, all that at so young, he tore his ACL three times. Before graduating, before graduating high school and was able to persevere through all of that. And now is a graduate, you know, just graduated, got his master's from Michigan State and was on the coaching staff there and now just got a new job at Northern Arizona uh, where he's an assistant coach now. But I dedicated the book to him. But the most important chapter in the book to me, especially for young people and young kids and student athletes, is that you don't have to be an athlete to make a million dollars. And that's one of the things my dad taught me, you know, growing up, you know, once he came back here and he was the vice president of Ford around 2008 or not 2008, around 2006, he moved back to Michigan from London. You know, you, I got to see him build his dream house in Bloomfield Hills. And he said, look, I, we down the street from we're right, right around the corner from Ben Wallace. And he was like, we've got the same size house. You don't have to be an athlete to make a million dollars. Now, that doesn't mean don't use your talents and your athleticism, but it's also important to get your education. And it's also important to dream big. And if you have some creativity, use it. It doesn't have to be necessarily in sports, but you will have to work hard. So I would say that's the most important chapter. Yeah, I love that. So tell me, what's been... Um... Of all the positive responses you've gotten about, from, about the book, what's been, who's been the person you did not expect to hear from? And what did they say about the book? I got great feedback from my friends, but I feel like, you know, they're always going <laughs> to say some great things about it. But I spoke to some cadets and this little girl gave a great review of the book and she went through almost like, chapter by chapter and she had to be you know 13 14 years old wow and she had a really good understanding and she was like you don't have to be an athlete to understand this and the stories that i learned how much she learned from the stories and she actually gave a synopsis of it and it's actually on my social media pages just because that 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 right there that testimonial meant a lot because it can touch all people in all ages of life so uh it was that's it was, awesome yeah. Yeah. Th th thanks for sharing that. So, so tell us a little bit about the quiet time mm -hmm. with Benny Fowler. Yeah, that's my podcast. That's a podcast that I, I just started maybe a month and a half ago during, during the quarantine. It's, you know, just to get out there and, you know, share the message in a different way where people can listen to it on their, on their way to work or when they have some, some downtime and, you know, just, to share the relationships that I have with people through the podcast, my brother, my mom, my dad, Coach D'Antonio was on there. Draymond's been on there. Julius Thomas, a uh, mentor of mine in the NFL, Emmanuel yeah. Sanders, Rod Smith, all of these great athletes. I've got a couple of Olympians coming up pretty soon that will be on the, the, uh, the Quiet Time podcast. But this is just another way to, to spread more love and spread more positive energy. And we talk about leadership and success and how it looks different and how success is not linear. And your success is gonna look different than mine, but 
You're going to have to have certain principles, but you know, success, success is all over the place. There's no one way. That's why I call my, my book, the imperfect guide to success, because sometimes you hear, well, you just got to follow these steps. And I don't believe that. And you know, some of the most incredible athletes, most incredible CEOs, they didn't believe it either. They are like, Oh no, I can make my own way. So. Yeah, that, that, that's awesome. And so, um, Tell us about your public speaking career. That's just now getting started. So I went and did a couple of speaker bureaus that are put on by the NFL the year before to see if I would really like it. And, I, and you know, once you start getting the hang of it and practicing it, you know, I really started to, uh, you know, really fall in love with the process and just the fact that you can get, you know, the energy from the crowd and you can give them a lot of information, not necessarily by teaching them, but letting them know that their story there are people that I know or myself that have had moments that, that you might be going through right now. So why not share that? So I've been doing that now. So uh, just I speak on reality or uh, possibilities to reality, you know, making possibilities and turning them into real things. And just talking about some of the stories that I've had to go through and some of the ups and downs, like the Chicago story, the free yes. story. Those, there are lessons in all of that. There are lessons in everything, single thing that we go through every single day. So I like to talk to people about that and, you know, understanding their worth before you, you have to understand your worth and who you are, own who you are before you can set your goals, but you can set your goals and then you have to develop that mindset and having, understanding the importance of a growth mindset and that life as a process is going to help you continue to be successful in whatever it is that you do. So, and, and I know you talked about, and I, it really resonated with me when you said, you know, these teams are like 53 different businesses mm-hmm. that all have to come together, yeah. you know, and work like a team, right? And my, my good friend, Lee Rubin, who's a, a well-known speaker and author and a high-performance coach, uh, went to Penn State, was captain during Joe Pa's era, uh, um, unbelievable defensive back. Lee Rubin always says that the reason teams exist is because there's an opportunity or challenge so big that we just couldn't do it alone. Yeah. And so when you were talking about these 53 businesses that come together on any given Sunday with the same vision of wanting to win, that really reminded me of Lee's comment. And and what I think about is, what is it about the NFL specifically that uh, has positioned you well to get ready for this next chapter in business, whether it's more podcasts, it's more books, it's more speaking uh, opportunities and or the GPS method, which I want to go into next. But what about the NFL has gotten you ready for the next chapter of your life in business? You literally have to show up every single day. There's, I have to do something every single day for my NFL career. And now as a businessman, there are no like off days, really. You know, I have, I'm either reading, stretching, running. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not doing this 24-7. I also will take breaks. And I believe in the power of balance. I believe in having a balanced work and work life. Uh, so there are days off. But being in the NFL – and being undrafted in the NFL, I can't afford to have like two da- two bad days in a row because you'll get cut. The money's not guaranteed unless you're one of the top players. So you have to show up every single day. And that's one of the things that when I tell people these 53 different businesses, like now this, there is co- consistent work being put in. Like if people are late to their job, you know, you know, your boss might tell you that your boss might, first of all, might not notice, or they might tell you, hey, like, I saw you, you've been late a couple of times. In the NFL, if you're late one time, that could be the end of your career. You know, if you're late one time, that's a $20,000 fine. So the NFL helps you to structure your life in a way where you're, you're disciplined, you're balanced, you're on time. You, you have to understand those little things or, you know, they're going to take your money away, number one. But you'll, you'll be unemployed and you'll miss out on an opportunity to make a lot of money as a, as a young, as a young person. So that's one of the things that I'm, I'm transferring to my business is that doing something every single day and showing up on time, treating people with respect, but I, you have to learn how to communicate with other people in the business world. 
You have to learn how to t tell your story in the way that is presentable and where people can understand it. And you have to listen. You have to be able to hear what people are saying, not just listening to what you hear, but what are they telling you? So, I mean, there are a lot of, a lot of different things that I've learned and that will carry over to public speaking, like practicing every single day, learning how to, like I said, to tell your story, communicate in a way where people can understand it. I think all those things go hand in hand. Tell me about uh, a current mentor you have in your life that's been an integral part in helping you to begin think about life after football. I mean, indirectly, Kobe Bryant, you saw his transition was very smooth. Peyton Manning, very smooth. You know, it's just like, all right, I can see the career is slowing down a little bit, but you, know, you see Peyton on TV as much as he was when he was playing. And then you saw Kobe Bryant win an Oscar, so indirectly, those guys, well, I'm still around Peyton uh, from day to day, from time to time. But seeing those guys transition, as well as, you know, my dad helping me understand that. And then there's a guy named J.P. Flama. He's a high-performance coach that I met. And he's, you know, he kind of helped me identify myself as a champion in general of my own life and as a football player. Now, not just don't separate the two now. Now I'm just a champion in anything that I do. Just like you, you're the champion of your own life. You're the CEO of your own life. And identifying myself as that now kind of just helps it. It's, it's not that I obviously I still want to play. I'm still going to play, but it helps you understand that like putting in this work for my business now isn't a bad thing. And I'm, yes, I'm still always the Super Bowl champion, but I'm also the champion of, my company, the GPS method, you know, I'm a champion in that, in that realm of life as well. So tell us about the GPS method. And then I want to do a quick speed round for student athletes before we wrap up. Yeah. So the GPS method is the online course I just developed. It's actually being beta tested right now and will launch on July 1st, which is in <clears throat> the GPS method stands for goal setting plus perseverance equals success in it's a system of championship habits. So you have to have, understand the importance of habits first before you set any goals, but also you have to understand the importance of vision. So I'll take you through a vision series where you understand you write down your vision, like in the next two years, two years from now on this day, what does it look like, feel like, where are you living? What are you driving? And the understand, then you understand the importance of gratitude and the under, understand the importance of a growth mindset. And then we dive into a self-assessment, understanding who you are, what are your strengths? Continue to build off your strengths, attack one weakness, but your strengths are what you're good at. So build on those. And then we get into the goal setting and you understand how to set proper goals. And I want you to hit 80% of your goals, but I also want you to say, I want you to have 20% goals where they're very bold and you feel like they're out of reach for you because that will get you out of bed in the morning. I don't like setting goals that you just know you can hit. Yes. So setting bold goals and the way you go about goal setting is you understand your priorities. What are, what are the top three priorities that you need to hit to get to this goal? What are the obstacles? That's what people don't understand when they set goals. What are the obstacles that you can face and how are you going to get around those? And what are the daily action steps you can uh, take to win and get to your long-term goal? Because I feel like you have to have a long-term goal and then you have to have your short-term goals. So those are your turn-by-turn -turn directions. So the reason why I call it the GPS method is when you put the destination in on that map or your, or your, your apps, it gives you that little red dot. And then it gives you precise turn-by-turn -turn directions on how to get to that destination. But if you have an obstacle, if there's an obstacle on the road, or you miss a turn, or if you miss a couple turns, it doesn't, the GPS method, your GPS doesn't turn off. It just says reroute it. And that's what these championship habits and tools that I'll be giving people throughout the course It'll just help you get back on track or help you to move forward a little bit faster. Where can student athletes find that on July 1st and other professionals? Yeah, they can find it. They can find it uh, on my website, Benny Fowler one, and that's the number one.com. There'll be a link to it as well as it will be a link on my social media pages on and on my Facebook. What does it look like to be a great teammate? You have to, you got to be a great listener and you have to be able to communicate well, but you have to be able to listen 
and and hear what your teammate is saying and you have to be you have to communicate you have to be authentic you have to be real what's the number one thing you wish you had done better in college getting ready for the next chapter of your life i would have been focused more on the process than the outcome what should people be careful about in using social media just be on it too much you know give yourself you know an hour at lunch and an hour after work or, you know, throughout your day. But sometimes we just consume ourselves with social media way too much. Who was the greatest player you've played with in the NFL and why? That's a hard one. Uh, I would have to go with the greatest player, Peyton Manning, the most talented player, Odell Beck. Who's the best coach that you've played for that just really, you really, really deeply connected with? Mark D'Antonio. You know, he, yeah, he was an incredible, incredible coach. And yeah, he was, a, he was a real guy. What do you think about Coach Tucker? I'm excited about him. I'm excited about him. I've heard a lot about him. So, you know, I'll, I'll definitely be up there checking out some game, a game at least once this year. And, you know, hopefully he just, he puts us back on track. Besides an unbelievable career playing football, what's your favorite memory from Michigan State? My favorite memory from Michigan State. I would just say all the relationships that I developed, but, I uh, we went to a Final Four my senior year there <laughs> in basketball. Just I've, I've, I've had a lot of memories there, but just the relationships that I developed over my time there. Where can everyone find you? They can find me on Instagram, uh, Beans, B-E-A-N-Z-Z, 16, Benny Fowler on Facebook, where I go in every morning and do a little bit of a quote of the day, as well as on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on all three of those. I'm very active on those, and that's where they can find me. Benny, it's been a pleasure, man. A pleasure, a privilege. It's been a lot of fun. I love your story. Uh, my son, Atlas, I'm trying to encourage him to go play at State. I, I told him, I said, listen, you got, you got a lot of great wide receivers that you can follow in their footsteps. He talks about – we live in Bloomfield Hills. So okay. I live in your old hometown and he talks about going to country day someday. So I chuckled. I told him I was talking to you today. And so uh, hopefully someday we can get the two of you hooked up and you can give him a vision he can aspire to uh, in the flush. Definitely. Definitely, man. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Much love to all you guys. Yeah. I appreciate you, man. God bless. God bless. For more insights from top performers in sports and business, be sure to subscribe to Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude wherever you get your podcasts. Also, you can follow us on Instagram at Vision, Hustle, Grit, and Gratitude. Until next time, keep doing great things.